Good evening. Um, welcome to Find the Gym Coaching. Today we have a, a special guest with us, Dr. Josh Packard. He is the Executive Director of Springtide Research. And I have been so excited for us to speak with him because he and his organizations really provide very valuable insight research to understanding the ins and outs of young people today. So welcome, Josh. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having, for being here too. Um, could you tell us a little bit about um, your work and what Springtide Research does? Yeah, so Springtide is uh, really devoted to understanding what, what we say is the intersection between the inner and outer lives of 13 to 25 year olds. Increasingly, we, you know, we recognize, I'm sorry, we recognize that increasingly the places that young people go to make meaning and to just, you know, to find purpose and to ask life's biggest questions are not, you know, maybe where that work used to be done exclusively inside of churches and mosques and synagogues. And now young people are not engaging with those places as frequently as they used to. And so they're sort of um, asking those questions all over the place. And, and so we, we want to come along at Springtide and really go where young people are, understand you know, how they're sort of navigating those questions, where are they asking them, who's alongside of them, and, and also to understand, like, what do they need as they, you know, ask those questions and try and figure out their, their sense of meaning and purpose, so that way we can help the adults who care about them to care better. Mm. And, and what kinds of uh, studies have you done? Well, you can see them all behind me. Uh, ah. So Springtide <laughs> is uh, relatively new. This year, we, we've put out three studies. The first one, let's see if I can get my mirrored, uh, nope, it's over here. Belonging <laughs> um, is uh, Reconnecting America's Loneliest Generation is our first report and really takes a, a look into this concern that is um, fundamental to us at Springtide, which it, are, it has to do with these rising rates of loneliness and isolation mm -hmm. among young people. And this is not something you would expect because we, we have this image of young people as being so connected through their devices, um, through social networks, that you would never have guessed that this was the case, but we've had we've got lots of research now to confirm that for the first time ever, it's our youngest generations that are the loneliest and most isolated, not our oldest generations, which is normally the case when we do this kind of work. Um, so that's our first study and trying to trying to show exactly how and why that shift has occurred. Um, and then meaning making, um, the eight values that drive America's newest generations is is out now. Came out this summer. It's a, a book. Really, die, each chapter dives into a value that uh, as we say is both an opportunity but also comes at a cost. So it's an opportunity to engage young people if your organization embodies these values, but there's a real downside if you, if you don't live into these, you really run the risk of young people being turned off, never showing up, not engaging with you or, or leaving at the first chance that they get. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the two that are out there right now. The, 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 the thing that will come out every year is the State of Religion and Young People Report, which is a big scope view for people who work in faith-based industries um, to understand the sort of the shifting religious affiliations um, and identities and spiritual practices of young people. That'll come out in October. So what importance do you think all of this research is to um, for caring for young people or helping young people reach adulthood with success? <laughs> with success, yeah, it's a great. They're going to get there one way or another. Whether they get there successfully is another whole exactly. other question, right? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's critical. So the that and this is why 
you know, there's a, there's a bunch of research institutes. There's a bunch of places that understand or try to understand young people. Our, the reason why we felt the need for Springtide um, is because most of these come at it, you know, come at an understanding of young people through a pretty narrow institutional lens. Um, maybe it's just one sector like education. Um, maybe it's through some sort of agenda, which we see with a lot of faith-based groups. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that those are necessarily bad. It's just that they're incomplete because what's happened in America over the last um, 30 or 35, 40 years has been this, this steady, but not, you know, it's been this gradual but steady erosion of trust in institutions. Mm. And so when we think about the ways that we engage young people and we normally do it through like, because I have a title at this, or because I have a job at this place, like I'm trying to get you to come to me or I'm trying to get you to listen to me because of, because of a particular degree that I have or credential that I have. And that might've worked, uh, you know, at some point for, for even my generation or certainly for my parents' generation. If a, if a priest showed up and told my dad what to do, he was raised Catholic, he, he would have just done what the priest said to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if, when I was in college, if my professor said to do something because, you know, she had a PhD, I was going to listen to the professor that is out the window. Like <laughs> none of that stuff matters anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's really critical that we understand how young people are navigating life outside of these institutions, because that's increasingly where they're living their lives. And that's where Springtide exists. So yeah. we, we kept hearing that there were like all these adults who really are like genuine and super care about young people and want to be there for them. And we also kept hearing through our research about all these young people who really like, we need guidance and we want mentors. And, you know, I want somebody to be here in this critical moment for me. And we're sitting here at Springtide, like, why can't you get together? <laughs> and we realized that a lot of times it's these institutions, these, these old notions of how our, our work has to be done through these, through these models that maybe were once really effective that just aren't as effective today. So at Springtide, we want to come in and sort of close that gap a little bit. You're kind of bridging that generation gap because I know in my own experience in this field is that I've often heard that from young people that they feel that they're really misunderstood and they're not sure. getting what they need from adults. And so they, you know, that communication issue becomes a problem. It becomes a barrier to be yeah. able to really effectively help young people of this genera generation. And then I hear the same from those who work with youth, of what you're saying is how do we find connection in this, this world that they're living in, especially one that's digital and social, you know, social media mm -hmm. world where, you know, we didn't grow up with it. So we understand it differently. We use it, but yeah. it's not quite the same. Is, is that where you're finding that, that that real big shift or that big disconnect has happened with with the advent of these technologies or what other? Or well, no, I, so I think largely that's been overblown. You know, like I, there, you know, it's certainly a cell phone is more pervasive than a home phone. But like, look, each generation has had these challenges of technology invading into personal life. So I can I can distinctly remember my grandmother telling us about how resistant she was to getting a home phone because she wasn't about to let other people into their house right yeah. like that was a psychological emotional barrier for her mm. um and and i can certainly remember my parents like being stunned at the amount of time that i was spending online in the mid 1990s when we got america online discs yes. and like you know, <laughs> <laughs> i remember um, running through all of our free trials uh because uh, remember back then you had to pay by the hour. You're yeah, that's true. No idea what the, we were talking. But so 
I, I'm not so sure that it's the technology. In fact, I, we find very little empirical evidence that the technology is getting in the way of the kinds of things that the kinds of development that we talk about now. Certainly, there is a load of evidence to say that it is it is having this dramatic uh, that, that the kind of technology and the way that it's being leveraged, especially with the behavioral and social scientists who are pulling these leverage for these companies, it, it, it is rewiring brains and all this kind of stuff that's not necessarily good. But when it comes to like finding meaning and purpose in life, each generation has had to weather and sustain and navigate these challenges. What is different though now is that we've reached this, when we get to this tipping point where it's not just that young people, you know, feel misunderstood, young people have always felt misunderstood right like i think i think the very good you know, point that was basically the the theme of every song that came out in the 60s as far as i understand True. it um the it's that now their parents also grew up in that same world so like their parents don't trust institutions to mm. work for them and the kids don't either and so whereas before you could sort of be like yeah sure kids feel misunderstood but they're going to age out of it and eventually they're going to come and settle into a 25-year career, or they're going to settle into a church that they're going to be at for a long time, even if they go through a period of experimentation with those things or whatever, you know, in, in their late teens and early 20s. Well, that's out the window now. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, those, the companies aren't there for young people to commit to. Um, churches have largely just not be, like, when we look at the levels of trust that young people express in organized religion and their parents express in organized religion, it's fallen off a cliff. So that means that we need to rethink the ways that we engage with young people because we can't just count on them coming back in later life. Uh, absolutely. And, and that, that brings me to a question about your research on belonging. So yeah. you, you have found that you know, they're more disconnected than ever or they're feeling more lonely now more than ever. What did you find with that? Does that have to do with the 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 institution and the sh and shift and being able to serve this generation yes i thought this was fast i mean in fact as a researcher you always know you have something interesting when it's surprising and uh in part this was you know there, there was a part of it that wasn't surprising because cigna had the big health uh, conglomerate had done this study a couple of years ago with sixty thousand americans if i remember correctly which that was the first sign that young people were the, the loneliest not old mm -hmm. older folks um and our research largely replicated that and crucially extended our research goes all the way down to 13 year olds. It doesn't stop at 18 like, like most places. Um, we just feel like that is such a critical time of life to understand 13 to 17. Oh, and so absolutely. we go the, we do the extra work that it takes to get the, the group. So it wasn't so much surprising. It was saddening and disheartening to confirm, mm -hmm. you know, what Cigna and others have been finding. But what was where we really felt like we wanted to pick up the mantle is to dig deeper. Like, okay, so if that's the case, why is that the case? And what could be done about it? And I, you know, it, it was really telling to me that it, whether you're, you're a young person's levels of isolation and loneliness were the exact same, regardless of whether or not they participated in an after school event regardless of whether or not they were in part of a school club or even regardless of whether or not they attended and went to religious services. Interesting. And I don't know about you, Jennifer, but like I, when I was growing up, I can't, attendance meant acceptance. Like uh, it meant that I saw myself as a part of that thing or that group or that club or that place. Yes. Like those two things are just not coupled together anymore. Uh -huh. Those two things are completely separate. So 
just because a young person is showing up someplace does not mean that they feel connected there. And it does not mean that they feel like they have a community or that they belong. Mm. So when we dug into the, so that of course got us like digging back, like does anything yeah. make them feel like they belong, right? And, mm. and what we found and you know, so like again, levels of isolation and loneliness, exactly the same regardless mm. of attendance. Um, but as soon as they have a relationship with a trusted adult mm. at that place, well, now we see their levels of isolation and loneliness like drop off a cliff. And if we get that to like two or three, or we get to the magic number of five trusted adults in their lives, we see all the risk factors and, and all the really negative things that come along with isolation and loneliness, they drop into like the single digits, which is, you know, every, obviously every child and every young person matters. Um, but the, at some level, there's only so much you can do, right? So it, it just makes a dramatic difference. The relationships are what matter, not like which uh, affiliations you have, which, which organizations you belong to or go to or whatever, because it doesn't mean the same thing in terms of belonging as it once did. So really then relationships are key to, you know, having a sense of purpose or developing a sense of purpose. But did you yeah. find in your research, research what kind of relationship that is with an adult? I mean, what does that yeah. look like? So we call them, yeah, it's a good question. Cause I think that like, I think my football coach when I was in high school, I think he thought he had a relationship with me because he's like, I yell at that kid every day. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I stand up there and I scream at these kids for an hour after school. I have a relationship with them. And I probably would have said something similar. The, the, the really the important thing to understand is that that is not what counts as a relationship anymore. Um, you know, I, it's, it really, it, it has much more to do with that. What we call the trusted adult relationship. That is that you could come to somebody. So in our, in the research that we did for belonging, the young people. So we do not only surveys, but we also do a, a lot of interviews. We're constantly doing in-depth interviews with 13 to 25 year olds. Um, we did 150 in the last year and 10,000 surveys. Um, wow. and, and what they told us is that there's a process actually that makes me feel like I belong. So if I have a trusted adult who first notices me and then names me out loud in front of other people, and then we get to a point where I'm known to that trusted adult in that organization, meaning that like my uh, my uh, attendance there, my my um, my presence there, yeah, involvement actually impacts the organization. Well, then I have a, a feeling of belonging. Um, so it's just, it, it very much is this like bottom up approach as opposed to this top down where I think that we've been so much you know so many of us who are leaders and have worked with young people have been conditioned into it's a system we're we grew up in like you know yeah. as much as yeah. i'm joking about my football coach my youth director wasn't that much different now he didn't my youth director didn't yell at me but it was very much like on the stage you know metaphorically like leading all of us once a week and sort of just telling us how it was and yeah, i was like great i, think I belong here yeah i think that's that's very true it's kind of that uh, that authority figure that I, you know, I tell youth what to do, or they do what I ask them to do. And, you know, even in education, that's been traditionally how it should be. Raise your hand before you speak. Only answer the questions that I've asked. That I ask you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not really, you know, now is, is what I'm hearing is that there really is getting to know that young person, getting to know them perhaps as individuals and uh, finding out more about who they are to be able to best serve them with that, whatever that um, organization or program is for them. Yeah, and that come that came through in the research for meaning making as well, where we really focus on 
you know, for-profit and non-profit organizations where young people are going to work or volunteer, the same sort of values shown through there. And then especially in the annual report where we talk, we lay out this theory of relational authority and what that looks like from the data. And they say it, the young people tell us this time and time again in so many different ways, but they say basically, uh, you know, none of your credentials or expertise or positions or titles, none of that matters until I know that you care about me. Mm. Um, and that's just such a, it, it's a, it's in some ways it's a no brainer, but it's also, you know, I even see it in my classrooms where I teach as a faculty member at a university where it's like, they don't care that I have a PhD until they think that I'm invested in their education and care about their, you know, success in the classroom. But they're not just going to listen to me because I throw around it's some like, fancy oh, degree. Yeah, yeah. Even if they, they should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should, but that's not how it works. <laughs> and it seems so sensible too, you know, to, for people to, or young people to take interest or begin to thrive that somebody cares about them, that somebody yeah. really cares that they do well. Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned your, your research on the, the meaning making, the eight values. Mm -hmm. Could you kind of summarize what those values that you found that young people yeah, think are so do important? Yeah, let's do it. We'll pull it down here so we can actually make, I can make sure I get all eight of them correct. I'll just list them off real quick. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, what we kept finding was that it wasn't so much that there were, that, that these values had displaced older values. Like young people still care about success um, as traditionally defined. They, they care about career advancement, you know, all these normal things. It's that these eight were also, we saw emerging. Um, we asked a whole bunch of questions actually. And, and these are the eight that sort of bubbled to the top as meaningful. Um, that young people were looking for and they, they sort of walk alongside these. So now it's not just enough, you know, especially for a place where young people work to provide a paycheck and a sense of career accomplishment, they have to do this other work too. Mm -hmm. And I know that may be hard for some people to hear, especially leaders, but like that's increasingly what young people are asking them to do. And if they're volunteering at a place, they want to know that they can, you know, bring their whole selves to that place where they're volunteering, not just like log some community service hours. So here the eight are, uh, accountable, inclusive, authentic, welcoming, impactful, relational, growthful, and mm -hmm. meaningful. Um, you know, a, a set of things that young people are looking for to really, you know, sort of show up as who they are and make sure that they can do more than just the simple tasks laid out in front of them. And, and, and you, if you've um, alluded to that, this is, this is somewhat different than maybe generations past in terms of what they value um, and you mentioned to to why that may be but what do you think the why these particular values of young people have become so important to them and mm -hmm. what they have in their relationships yeah it's a good question and, and I think some of them have are certainly like new and have emerged just as any generation deals with um, deals with their own values based on their period of time and you know in, in history like, and I think inclusivity is a really good example of that. Like we're, we're obviously experiencing a moment um, and, and have been for, you know, the last five or more years for mm -hmm. anybody who's paying attention, but obviously and heightened in 2020 where inclus inclusion and inclusivity is clearly top of mind for a lot of young people. But many of these others are things, Jennifer, that used to be done in other places in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you were looking, for example, for, you know, a place to be authentic, 
um, and, and to really, you know, bring your whole self, like you didn't necessarily need to do that at work. Like mm -hmm. you could be, you know, worker person at work and you could go be something else somewhere else. Yeah. Um, or if you were looking for a place to be uh, uh, relational, like maybe that was just something that happened um, in one part of your life, but it didn't need to happen in all parts. Well, that lock up, that, that erosion of trust that I mentioned earlier has meant that for a lot of people, they've, they've lost these kinds of in-between spaces and that, and that most of our lives now are spent at, at a very, at, you know, one or two, a, a very small set of spaces in their lives. Um, so we've seen places, these sort of like what, what, so, what social scientists call third places um, have been eroding. Um, so the place between home and work, what's the third place, right? Well, those don't, you know, yeah. Kiwanis Club or the Elks or something like that. Like those, the, I, I feel sort of antiquated even saying that. Yeah, like, those people don't belong to these anymore. That's true. Um, and so what we're, the consequence of that, along with some, some very real changes, in, especially in terms of so, socioeconomic uh, opportunities for middle mm -hmm. and lower middle class people, that you know are just drying up. Like wages just haven't moved much in the last 35 years in mm -hmm. this country. It is it has meant that people are increasingly looking to their workplace in particular to do more of this kind of stuff. So if the primary space that you have in your life is work and home, and you have to cram everything into those two places, you know, mm -hmm. like if you're not as involved in church anymore because you are at all, if you're not going to like PTAs and involved in local politics and you're not going to, you know, uh, um, social organizations anymore because those have dried up, like, well, now it's left to those two places, home and work, to do everything else. So I think that it's not so, so while some of them have emerged as new, a lot of them are just being shifted. They're things that people have always cared about. It's that the outlets for them in many cases have dried up, but people haven't stopped caring about them. So then in situations, those who are serving youth or offering programming to you, you know, I talk a lot about this idea of creating what I call these genuine enlightened moments, moments mm. where young people can find opportunity or find, learn something about themselves they may not yeah. have known through that experience. Um, and, and part of being able to create that gem, as I call it, is being able to have a relationship with the people in that program. So with that kind of in mind of this idea of, of, of creating gems or opportunities um, to young people with this framework, really see this as a framework in, in being able to, okay, we've got to ensure that we can nurture some of these values in young people through our experience. Would, hmm. would you have like a comment or even a way in, in which to see that from the the youth leader perspective or the whomever to be able to begin to kind of integrate that into yeah. creating these experiences or opportunities? Well, it's so critical. I mean, so I know I was mentioning some things that are fairly, you know, aimed at the adult world. Yeah, at Springtide, our age range goes up to 25. But when we start talking about PTAs or local politics, like we're not really talking about kids anymore at that point. <laughs> but as adults, third spaces have dried up. What we've lost is the, you know, not just, a, there's obviously an impact for the adults, but what we've lost for kids is the ability to model that for them. And so it's really crucial that the adults who care uh, about young people are not only noticing that young people are not as engaged in those formal ways as they used to be, um, and noting that when they do attend, it doesn't necessarily mean like they, that they feel like they belong, but that they're stretching themselves out of their own comfort zones and that, and that they're 
you know, dragging their kids along to some things that maybe their kids wouldn't otherwise be inclined to go to and sort of like teaching them like this is how you show up in a space like this and Mm -hmm. and talking with them about like this is why it's important for me and for my sense of identity to show up here that's too much pressure to put on parents Mm -hmm. um alone which you know as i was just mentioning with the with the changing nature of the uh of the ability to earn a, a a paycheck a livable wage off of one paycheck for example it just like you can't ask parents to increasingly do more and more and that's why i think yeah. that those youth workers that you mentioned are so critical mm-hmm. um it's, but it is impossible to ask those youth workers to do the programs that they're currently doing and mm-hmm. shift to this like we are at a fork in the road moment where it's you either have to double in down into the relationships mm-hmm. or keep sort of plugging along with the thing you're doing which isn't you know increasingly reaching that many kids and how does it this now that we're all living really in this virtual world right now yeah (laughs) I mean do you see how what what shift might happen there or you know trying to do this in in these virtual settings I mean maybe and hopefully not forever but you know it will always be present yeah um I mean I I know that young people do not want to answer their phones. But remember, like these call out. <laughs> they don't just they don't just access the internet. You can actually call out with them. It was startling to me in um, March or or I guess yeah, it was March, right as COVID hit and the first day at home orders came. And and we did a quick survey in the field just to find out sort of like how's this impacting you right now? And it was uh, less than a third or about a third of young people that had had anybody check on them at all um, from outside of their home. And, um, shot, you know, for our audience, especially like less than 1% of those had come from faith leaders of the, of the one third of the only one third who had had anybody oh, checking wow. on them. And when, when we would talk to, you know, whether it was teachers or faith leaders or people who run after school programs or like, what kind of contact have you had with young people now over the last few months? And like, well, you know, we don't know where they're at, so we don't know how to reach them. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. They're online. Um, just just go on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> there they are. As terrifying as that might sound, I would say go on. But we've also heard some stories of, of really incredibly innovative organizations that are um, like, look, there's a, there's a place that you know, they can't meet in person with kids anymore, so they're playing video games with them. But mm-hmm. one of the core values that they try and teach at this place is service. Mm-hmm. And so they're not just playing video games with them so they can chat with them. That's a big part of what they're doing. But they also organize these these service trips where I don't know if you're familiar with how, like, how Fortnite works and these kind of mul- big multiplayer mm, just games, Just a little right? bit from my nephew. He's a big Yeah, Fortnite. so they'll, what they'll do is they'll get, you know, they'll get their group of kids together and they'll join in a game and, and they'll rig it, not, and not like in a mean way, but they'll get, uh, th- they'll pick one person who's playing by themselves, which is increasingly, it's very difficult to win if you're playing by yourself. And they'll just, they'll protect that player. They don't know this kid at all. It's just another stranger online and they'll give them all the resources. And it's like this way of communicating the value of doing good deeds and being in service to one another just to make somebody's day like this isn't life-changing work like you're not digging a well in Africa right (laughs) but it's a way in this moment that you you can still convey how important that value of service is if that's the thing you care about and that's what this organization cares about so here's the thing Jennifer I think that like COVID is a moment where you find out what you are right so uh, like there are 
there are a lot of people who I think thought that they were in the business of serving youth. And, and when their ability to meet in person dried up, what they found out was that they were really just in the meeting in person business because they huh. didn't actually know how to serve youth at all. They just knew how to meet in person. Huh. And so huh. you know, when you- And they had a mission in those are, places too. That's interesting too, because right. in those places they had a mission or they had a set of outcomes they were working to achieve with those young people. And once that stopped and once that changed, I can certainly see how yeah. for some, how do I do that now? Can I do right. that? Do I wanna do that? But if you're really value driven and relationship driven and connection driven, then then the the way that you do something is just a modality. If you're meeting in person and your ability, you know, your building gets sold out from underneath of you, or you know, you get COVID and you can't meet in person anymore, those are the groups that we've seen over the last few months go like, oh, okay, like we'll do it in a different way. <laughs> and it doesn't mean it was easy, you know, it still took real leadership and you know, a thoughtful use of resources, but they didn't stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really, really interesting to think about. And again, going back to your point of that, that having that relationship and wanting to have those relationships and connection with young people is so important. And no matter yeah. what space they're in. We've heard people go like, they just started going door to door. They started dro driving around town, dropping off care packages and they would drop off two, one for the kid who was involved in their program and one for them to give to somebody. Hmm. And like, that's oh, well. it's a small thing, but like those little things add up. They let they, that's part of that noticed named known thing that we talk about a belonging where it's mm -hmm. like that small gesture lets young people know that like they're not being forgotten and lost mm -hmm. as the world seems crazy. Have you, have you heard a lot from young people during these last few months? I mean, how are they, how are they finding many meaning or purpose in this time? You know, I think we're all at a loss to that to some degree, you know, it, it's monotonous <laughs> yeah. day in, day out, not having that connection, which really is a drive. Those relationships, those connections are such a drive to what we do with our lives. And, you know, and without that, you know, and, and you said, I think you mentioned that people are finding things about themselves during this time. Have you found that in what you've heard from young people and how they're kind of finding themselves during this time or finding purpose? Well, I think for a or lot not? of them, it's been, yeah, it's been not, and it's been a lot of waiting and it's been a lot of waiting for school to start, you know, that it was, there's this sort of implicit idea that when school starts, things will be somewhat normal and we'll get back mm -hmm. to it. And, you know, we're seeing a really uneven start at, at both the mm -hmm. K-12 and the college level and and we're not just unevenness in terms of like oh we're going to start in person and go back online or this isn't safe or it is safe we're also seeing a lot of unevenness in terms of the personal connection that that mm -hmm. a lot of schools just not are not equipped to handle you know for whatever reason whether it's funding or time or energy or intention whatever yeah. but over the summer they they just really didn't spend the time figuring out how they were going to maintain relationships with students mm -hmm. you know they spent a lot of it trying to figure out how they were going to get instruction to them but school is about so much more than just instruction oh, for yeah. better or worse. You know, like a lot of wow. responsibility falls to schools, counselors and to, mm -hmm. you know, feeding young people and, you know, social outlets and sports and blah, blah, blah. That it, that's, this is sort of a, a really pivotal moment at the end of the summer here, beginning of fall. And, and I'm actually like genuinely concerned about what's going to happen over the next month or so, especially if we roll, um, into the holidays without being able to see extended family and some of those oh, moments that are really important for young people. I agree that that's definitely 
a stress that I think is, it, it's almost not definable what that right. impact is having on them. And I know, you know, having a, uh, an ill father that's far away and not being able to see him, but even for my daughter, feeling right. like she couldn't if she wanted to and, and what that's really gonna, how that's really gonna impact them in that way. So it's, it's an interesting time. <laughs> yeah. That's and, why and, we need springtime. <laughs> Keep us informed. Well, and, and so if I were going to say anything about like what we should be thinking about doing along those lines that, you know, this isn't, this isn't research based because it hasn't happened yet. So we can't research the future, obviously, but I think we should, we should really be spending a lot of time right now as adults in the lives of young people, especially those young people who are going to be um, seniors in high school, seniors in college, mm -hmm. thinking about how we're going to create meaningful rituals for them. So, yeah. you know, not just as a trend, you know, so for those students, obviously, as they do all these capstone moments, these rites of passage that might not look the same or be available at all. Um, but also, like, when we talk about the holidays for younger people, like, how do we make that meaningful and value driven this year, which might be different yeah. than every other year? And what rituals do we want to put in place? And, and how do we go about doing that in a way that is conveying all the things that we want to convey about the importance of family or you know if you're gonna if if you and if you and your your partner and your two kids are gonna stay at home this year and not travel and see family like how do you do that in a way that conveys to your to your kids that we're doing this for safety to say our yeah, safety our family yeah. this is because we care about family that we're not gonna go see them for example mm -hmm. um how do you do prom in a way that's meaningful yeah you know like there are there have got to be ways i mean the yeah we're so innovative and so creative, but if we don't spend the time now thinking about it, it'll just feel like a crisis when it comes. I think that's an excellent, that's an excellent point in way of thinking, okay, how are we creating these new rituals and these new ways of doing things? Prom, you know, it's been done the same way for who knows how long, decades and decades. Um, so, you know, being able to kind of think, wait, what kind of ritual could we create that's just as wonderful, but just in a totally different way. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how to have a socially distant problem. I did hear about one place that was, um, you know, they had, they had created tables that young people could, you know, be socially distant at, and then they had a dance contest. So one person on the stage at a time for 30 idea. seconds doing dancing, which I thought was a smart and clever way of at least getting some of the same flavor of yeah, stuff, you know. That's in. a good idea. I saw with a graduation, they did like a drive-in graduation sure. where they had the big screen and you know they had um musical guests you know performing on screen and then you know it was and and those kids looked like they were having such a great time and I when I saw that I thought hey I think I would have liked my graduation to have been this that way <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> well I I think, love, if I could have done my graduation on a screen instead of on a hot and sweaty football field <laughs> or you know you just sit in your car and you know you turn on the radio <laughs> just wait for your name to be called that wouldn't have been too bad <laughs> yeah. well I want to thank you so much Josh for um, taking time today to share with us with all the wonderful work that your organization is doing and we will um, continue to share resources as they come available um, and uh, what you're doing and um, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience of ways they might be able to get in touch with you or what they should look out for 
Well, um, I just want to say, you know, I appreciate the, the compliment um, and the gratitude, but really I want to say thanks to you and the people that are out there working directly with young people. You know, we, we live and exist to equip them, you know, to understand young people so we can equip them, uh, you all. And so thank you for that. Uh, the one thing I'll point people to, uh, you can find all of our products and, you know, all the research and stuff at, at our website, springtideresearch.org. But one of the things I'm most proud of is that at Springtide, we don't just talk about young people. We talk to young people mm -hmm. and we have a podcast called the voices of young people where you hear directly from them. So, you know, when every time we release something like the, like meaning making, so there's eight chapters in meaning making, there's eight episodes in the podcast and you get to hear directly from a young person about why inclusion is important to them um, in a way that is, you know, it's not as rigorous and scientific as some of the data that's in the book that is, that would pass all those tests, but you sort of get that big fuller story. And I, I just think that can be really helpful for a lot of, you'd be surprised how many adults work with young people who don't spend a whole lot of time listening to them and, and or even have opportunity to. So the podcast voices of young people you can get it on iTunes. You can rate it. Oh, five yeah. stars and that'd be great We'd love that. we will definitely tune into that are you finding you're getting a good response from yeah, people it's especially you know what what tends to happen in your career right whether you're a teacher who goes on to be a school administrator or yeah. if you're working in a church with youth and then you go on to be a pastor or whatever that is if you're entry-level manager or if you're a manager of entry-level employees and you rise up through mm -hmm. you start off working with a lot of young people often and in many cases, because you care about them in those roles, and then you end up in a place, at, you know, maybe when you're 40 or 45 or whatever, where it's like, oh, I don't actually interact with any young people anymore. I don't understand what they're like. Yeah. Um, and, and so we hear from those people how good, you know, they tell us how good it is to hear directly from them. And I mean, the ones that, I'll just say that if the if the country is filled with the kinds of young people who show up on our podcast, we're gonna we're gonna be okay. <laughs> they're they're fair. They're so impressive and thoughtful, and that's yeah. routinely what we find from young people when you ask I the found, right questions. And that's what I found true of this generation too. I mean, yeah. I, I I really have been impressed by them, and I love their passion. Yeah. And you know, they're they're wanting to make a contribution to the world and wanting to make a difference. And I think that's an important message for people. I think sometimes society gets down yeah. on teens. You know, we get mm -hmm. down, we kind of blame them for the problems. That, that well, we don't really encounter. think they know anything or they're invested, yeah. but they are. But they are. And, yeah. and when they're given that chance and they're given that opportunity and they're given that care, they tend yeah. to rise to that, mm -hmm. you know. So thank you for that. We'll, we'll definitely yeah. tune in. I'll be tuning in. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, Josh. Bye. Bye bye. I guess I'll I'll probably edit it there. <laughs> okay. So, cool. And again, I, well, I thank you again. This has been great. I've loved this. Talking good. I hope you. it's I hope it's useful. And you know, we'll let some time pass. And if there's more stuff that comes up that you want to talk about, and there, it makes sense for us to talk again, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds good. Thank okay. you. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Have a great week, and good luck in, in all your work. Oh yeah, you too. Okay. Bye. Thanks a lot.